Hola, welcome back. Thank you for joining. It's been quite a while. I'm going to start off hot by dropping some stats on you. And I got these stats from the Institute for the Future, and I did check the source. It seems credible. It's in partnership with some legit corporations, which could also potentially raise a red raise a red flag. Why are these corporations paying these people to talk about the future? Whose future? Blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get all conspiracy theory here. But I found a stat that I proposed to my students in the beginning of a class called Design Thinking, which is what this podcast series is. It's only two parts. The first part's going to be what is it? Second part is application for life for you, the listener. Anywho, this stat is... Up to 85% of the jobs that today's college students will have in 11 years haven't been invented yet. So essentially what that's saying is, in 11 years, 85% of the potential jobs one could have don't currently exist. That's kind of crazy. Now, that's a really high percentage. This seems to be a credible source that is saying it was an expert, a panel of experts They said it's impossible to predict an actual percentage, but think about that. 11 years, 85% of the potential future jobs don't currently exist. So then like the question is, this gets like way deeper and like bear with me right now, but like, what are we doing for education? Are we preparing you for a job? Because according to this stat, we don't even know what jobs we're preparing you for. Not only that, if you are currently employed and you're in the workforce, We can assume and predict that that job and the workforce itself is most likely going to change drastically, especially with like the go-to word is technology. It's destroying our social skills. It's changing everything. But technology will be changing the workforce. One, fingers crossed you're not replaced by a robot or a computer. Two, with the new technology creates new jobs. So again, the question goes back to, for my students, because I I say that I give this stat stat in the beginning of the class. I'm like, what are we doing right now? Because I can't prepare you for a job that we don't know exists yet. So what should we be doing? We should be working on your ability to think and evolve and change with the times. Hmm, makes sense. Yeah. So then little bit of a mirror check. And I feel like I potentially have ranted about this before, and it's the difference between consumption and creation. How much in what you're doing, and let's say your job, are you just doing cookie cutter stuff of like, well, this is the algorithm. When this happens, you're supposed to do this. And how much are you on the spot thinking creatively and using critical thinking and these C's as we call them, we'll get into the skills. How much are you creating? Because according to these stats, and I checked Forbes and one of the most important lifelong skill or work skills in the 21st century is going to be being a lifelong learner and your ability to adapt. How able, how comfortable do you feel being put in a situation where the answer is not in the textbook because that is what we need for this country for the workforce for humanity and i would also argue for yourself so again mirror check how comfortable are you being put in a situation 
where the answer is not in a textbook. Cue the song. One of the biggest quarrels I have with my students, and they are a product of society, so it's not necessarily their fault. It's kind of a human trait, right? We are, in essence, the humans in Wally. I haven't even seen the movie, but I'm familiar with them. We want to lay back and have things done for us, right? The, um, the history of humanity is the effort to make life easier for ourselves, and that include, and that's why we made like stairs. And then we turn the stairs into escalators. That's that's just humans being humans. <laughs> kind of design thinking. Um, but the, my quarrel with the students is their lack of desire and kind of inability to create solutions on their own or even just create ideas on their own. You ask them a very we'll say thought-provoking question or a difficult or a question that requires thinking for an answer. And if they haven't seen the answer either like on the internet or from the textbook, and I use textbook in quotations because I don't really use textbooks anymore. I don't think a lot of people do. It depends on the subject, blah, blah, blah. But if they don't immediately have the answer, their brain starts to hurt as that tends to do and then they want to stop. What's up with that? Because one, I did, I did just say, so <laughs> what's up with that is because that's just what humans like to do. Like we like for life to be easier. But here, uh, what I also find is we think we like that. And I don't have like general research to back this up. We think that we like for life to be easier, but actually... We love challenges and like solving a puzzle. We love the, let's say this, we love the feeling of when we have solved something or accomplished something, but that time in between, you really need to learn to love that, embrace that, right? Like the process. And that's really what design thinking is. It's a process of thinking that's going to get you to an answer. The answer doesn't always have to be like a crazy invention. And I'm going to, I assure you, I'll get to that in a moment. Right, but humans, one of the things that I would argue, like one of the unique things about us that we know of so far, is that humans, and what makes us human, in quotations, is our ability to visualize the potential future and make it happen. As in like, we have essentially forever just been problem solving. We look at something like, okay, this evaluating, like this could be different, So one, we can visualize it. And then two, we can actually create stuff to make our visualized future a reality. Now, imagine my high schoolers, they're not mine, I guess. The high schoolers that I am acquainted with in the same classroom and I happen to be their teacher, 
if if early early humans had like had their mindset of just like man we got to figure out how to get food like i don't feel like it like then you die so that's why now we are able to just be lazy because i can just google the answer and if i can't google the answer and i can't find it like realistically it'll be okay i will live but deep down humans love like solving problems we we thrive on that i think that's one of the things that like makes us humans is our it, our ability to solve problems right um it's called this is like a foundational mindset that we have to have before we even enter into discussing design thinking it's called growth mindset and growth mindset if you haven't heard you either have a fixed mindset and that's essentially like it is what it is I am stupid, I'm never gonna get smart, or I am unathletic, I will never be in shape, blah, 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 blah. I am terrible at music, I'll never gonna learn the guitar. Or you have a growth mindset that blank can be improved. That could be you, that could be the situation you're in, that could be whatever, right? So let's say a growth mindset is, I can improve personally, and then you say, how can I improve? Well. Physically, I could probably improve. Well, probably. I could. Because look at the rock. So, like, humans are capable. Now, I, I probably don't have, like, the frame to do what the rock does. But, like, that is far on the end of the spectrum. So, like, I can at least get closer to that if I wanted to. And if I put in the energy, I can improve my relationships. I can improve my happiness. I can improve whatever. Like, my intellectual ability and, like, the things I know. I can improve. Here's one that, like, I... I'm hoping to work on eventually my ability to work with my hands. I just don't have the attention to do it. Now the fixed mindset would be like, well, I'm just not good at that. A growth mindset says, okay, how could this improve? And I, I would then use design thinking. This is my goal. This is what I want to accomplish. This is, I feel the best way to accomplish that. Let me move forward, try this out. And then I'm going to make adjustments as I go. Now, That process in itself should be very reflective and systematic. What I've noticed from, we'll just say students, and students essentially in my mind represent the general population. No offense. They tend to, when trying to solve a problem, they identify the problem, usually on a fairly basic level. It's like, what's the most obvious thing that's wrong? And then they come up with a solution. And when I say a solution, I mean literally like one thing. And they're like, I'm gonna do this now. And they go in and then like a week later, they realize one, the problem's a lot deeper than I thought. And two, this isn't the best solution, but you're already a week in and you've just wasted all that time, right? We in design thinking, should be seeking out a few things. What's the problem? Understand the problem. Why is the problem happening? Who's the problem happening to? But in regards to solutions, we're not just trying to come up with a solution. We're trying to come up with the best solution. So we don't waste time and resources. And coming up with the best solution, one, requires you to understand the problem properly. And then two, you take time to think about 
What are all the potential ways to solve blank or to improve blank? We, that's another thing that I try to like instill in the students. Like we're not necessarily going to immediately solve this, but we can make it better. That's the growth mindset. Anything, school, this classroom, your morning routine, whatever, we can make it better. What are all the potential ways to make it better? And then from that, you're gonna make a conscious choice. Okay, I'm gonna pick this and then we're gonna test it out. I've essentially described design thinking, but I'm going to in a moment break through, or sorry, break down like the entire process. Um, but this is, as I said before, this is process focused. So we are going to be thinking about thinking. This is not, I'm not like giving you a final product. I'm trying to teach essentially to you as if you're a student, I'm trying to teach you a process of thinking and it's design, it's solution based, right? A lot of it's human centered and it's either designing for other people or for yourself for anything. That's work yourself, your relationships, whatever else. Um, I mentioned before that the stat of the 85% of the jobs, blah, blah, blah. Um, what our district is doing is we're working on developing skills rather than just general knowledge because I believe I've gave this example before in a previous podcast, but if this is the first one you're listening to, um, I heard of a study. Researchers took a class of students who were taking biology, looked at what the students averaged on a final. So let's say spring semester, the class takes the final, they average a B minus, which as a teacher in like biology, that's pretty good, right? I mean, biology is, it's very specific content. So the fact that B minus, like obviously there's room for improvement, but like you're still happy with that. The summer happens Students do whatever it is they do. And then when those students came back, the researchers took that class and then gave them the same final. And guess what the average was? It was an F. So add that to the 85% of the jobs aren't going to exist. One, what are we teaching these kids? Because there's a decent chance they're going to forget it immediately. So like wh what content is really important? And then two, what content do we even know how to, like what to teach them? Because we don't even know what type of jobs they're gonna have. So like if I'm teaching you biology, like what's the point? And that should be a question asked for all classes. And the mindset is that at least our district has is, let's try to develop skills. We have six C's in some of the profile of a graduate. Um, I'm going to mention four and then focus on two because the two that I'm going to focus on are like the predominant aspects of design thinking. And realistically, something that you as someone who's in the workforce should have and just a human being because like again this is what makes us human the four c's that we're going to focus on are communication so we want to develop the student's ability to communicate effectively that is digital or oral and writing we want to improve the student's ability to collaborate that's work efficiently and effectively with others Collaboration is actually kind of complicated, but the two that we want to focus on in this podcast episode is creativity and critical thinking. So creativity is just literally, it's coming up with an idea. 
I don't know. I've thought about this and I have also said this before. I would be surprised if I've ever thought of something that like no one in the history of humanity has ever thought of before. And that's not what creativity is. Like maybe in like the big term picture sense. Yeah. But creativity is, I didn't see the idea from someone else. Like I thought of it myself. That's a skill that we can work on. Like your ability to create ideas. Now, someone else might've thought of it, but it's not, it's, if I didn't read it from a book, I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. Like that's not creativity. I read something from a book and then there's an additional thought on that I've had that wasn't from the book. That's creativity. And creativity is not just like a bunch of colors and rainbows and like painting unicorns and like really colorful art stuff. Like that is creating, but so is getting to Mars. Now, the other C, and it's a combination. So creativity and then critical thinking. Critical thinking is your essentially your ability to criticize your own thoughts and evaluate your own thoughts. Um, we have three factors that are like must be passed. So check them off in design thinking. When you're coming up with an idea, you have to make sure that it's desirable as in people will want it. And it's not like, oh, you want it because you made it. It's other people who are going to be experiencing this stakeholders. They're going to want it as well. Is it feasible as in, can it actually be accomplished? So like the step from like creating it to implementing it, is that feasible? And then viable is once it's been implemented, will it be successful? That's critical thinking, right? Your ability to, I have this idea. I know that people are going to want it. I know we can actually make it happen. I know once it happens, it'll be successful. Um, I think about this sometimes and I, like I've talked about it and I'd love, I would, if I had a bunch of money, I would probably do research on a whole bunch of stuff, but this might be one of them. It seems that when we're younger, we're incredibly creative right? We're coming up with these narratives and creating these stories and we're using, we're drawing like imaginary things. We're like playing with toys. I can't imagine now having my GI Joes and like doing what I did with my GI Joes back in the day. Like back in the day, I was creating movie plots, you know, like love, death, them like flipping the air. I'm like making sounds like, you know, like, and like there's a good guy and a bad guy. That's pretty creative, right? Like I'm coming up with that from somewhere and then it feels like as we get older, that starts to dwindle. And this is the research part. I'd be very interested to know if how much of that, of our uh, decrease of creativity is due to just the development of the brain. And it's just, it's what happens to humans, right? As we get older and our brain starts to develop, like logic and reason comes in more. And then how much is due to public education and is completely, or a lot of it's just inhibited by how we teach them. So rather than supporting creativity, we're just saying like, no, you can't do that anymore. Like you got to learn this and you got to learn it like this and just do check the boxes and just do what we want you to do. How much, so how much of public education and education itself is inhibiting creativity? I would guess a lot. I don't know the other aspect, like the cognitive development. Um, but there is the factor and the reality of like, I tell, a, I would tell a five-year-old like, all right, draw me a bridge. So like, I got to get this box from this cliff to that cliff, like figure it out. And then they like make this crazy bridge. It's like, oh, it's going to be hovering. And it's going to be powered by like 
uh, they just make I can't I'm not creative enough they make up something and there's like a f- loop in the middle of the bridge and like it's gonna be awesome I'm like okay cool I'm like obviously I'm not about to invest millions and millions of dollars into this bridge because I know it's gonna break so at some point and the five-year-old's not thinking about this but like if you're designing a bridge that bridge has to work right and that's like the reality of reality like the laws of physics come into play as well as money it's like a huge debbie downer for my students too like oh we should do this i'm like who's gonna pay for it I'm like uh that's critical thinking right the creativity part is all right we got to get from this to there what are all the ways that we could do it we have a bridge okay how is this bridge gonna work well we could do this 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 and then the critical thinking is okay what about gravity what about budgeting right that is criticizing the ideas you're coming up with so then hopefully like at least minimum required the bridge has to work once we check that off then it's like how okay how can we add on to this bridge where it's like a piece of art the must-haves the should-haves the it'd be cool to haves we'll get into that but design thinking is focusing on your creativity and your ability to evaluate your own ideas and come up with and propose and communicate the best solution to the problem. Getting to the moon or getting to Mars requires a whole bunch of creativity. Why? Because it hasn't been done yet. We got a rover to Mars, but like getting humans to Mars not only getting humans to Mars, getting them to land safely, and then if we want, starting a colony there, and then getting them back if we also want that, that is intense creativity along with intense critical thinking. Because one, well, (laughs) this is just a random thought as I'm ranting, which is more important? How much is gonna cost and if like the mission fails? or the person's life. Hmm. I'm going to sip on some coffee as I think about that. As in like, what should we, what, what should we value more? I guess the, just the non-sociopathic answer is we should value the life on the vessel, but it's a lot of money. So what's more of a motivating factor? Anywho, design thinking. Design thinking is evaluate blank and improve it. How do we do this? As I said, this is very process-based. So, and it's not entirely linear we're essentially gonna see it's kind of like the scientific method and then like there's again ways of thinking there's ways of thinking which we don't really think about a lot right like there's historical thinking doesn't really apply to this um the scientific method does kind of apply and it's almost like the same thing this is like there's methods of thinking for engineering as well and like it's very relatable to design thinking The process is not linear necessarily. I'm going to go through in a moment the process 
in a linear way, like from the first step to the second to the third to the fifth. There's five steps overall. But like perhaps you're going to start with the third step and then go to the second. Um, you know, so there's multiple ways of looking at this. So there are also a few um, institutions, I think, I guess we'll call them. One being Luma. Uh, I went to, along with some coworkers, to a training in Pittsburgh, and it was, it was very nice. Uh, it was before I started teaching the class. Um, Luma has essentially three steps, three phases in problem solving, and it's looking at the problem, understanding the problem, and then making solutions to the problem. We're not going to, I'm not really going to break that down, but what we did in developing our curriculum for design thinking is we took a lot of the strategies within Luma, and it's Luma, L-U-M-A. I am not sponsored by them, but I definitely use them. You should check them out. They have, I'm looking at the Handbook of Human-Centered Design Methods, um, and it really is helpful for understanding the problem and uh, proposing solutions. We have a five-step process that we go through, as in like the class that I teach. Um, so I'm gonna be going through these different steps. And again, these steps are not necessarily necessarily linear. And last thing to mention before I go through the steps, there are like there are two ways to be thinking about this. The first one would be one, there is an obvious problem already. Like it's we all know what the problem is. We haven't taken time to like break it down yet, but one is it's out there. The second one is, let's say like, I know businesses do this. They hire people to just come in and look at their system and say, how could this improve? The problem is not obvious. So either option A is we already know what the issue is just by like, because it has happened or two, we just want to improve and get better. And we're like, we, something's wrong, but we don't know exactly what it is. Okay. So the first step is empathize. When you are designing, even for yourself or for others, you need to empathize. And that means like figure out who's involved in this so that we call them stakeholders. So who are the stakeholders in blank? Um, what is their experience like in this specific instance? So it could be, let's say like school, because school is a good one because we've all at least gone through it right? So you have option A is we already know there's a major problem. We're trying to solve that problem. Or option B is like, we are just trying to improve school any way that we can. Let's say option A, and I do this with my students early on. I say, should we start the school day two hours later? And then in parentheses, that means we're going to end the school day two hours later. Their immediate response is, heck yeah, because they get to sleep in which sleep in, I'll put that in quotations, that probably also means that they'll stay up later and they're pretty quick to acknowledge that, a lot of them. So option A is we want to start the school day two hours later because students are tired. Should we do that? And their initial, again, their initial response is, yeah, but then it's like, all right, well, who are all the people involved in school? Because all these people are potentially, we call them stakeholders. They're all gonna, potentially going to be affected by this. Students, teachers, principals, parents, bus drivers, janitors, superintendent, school board, the community. If we 
have this solution and we haven't thought about how it's going to affect everyone, like we're not designing well. Because what they tend to realize is, all right, even like student athletes, if we were to end this school day, even at like four or five, that means that they're not getting home until 10. Then they have to do their homework. Now, maybe there's a deeper problem with that. I don't know, right? Or bus drivers or janitors. The janitors can't start their day until the school day is over. Again, so that's a practice of who are the stakeholders involved in this topic? Now, option B is, let's say we're just trying to improve school. You say, okay, I need to look at school as a whole. So who are all the stakeholders? All the people I listed, students, teachers, principals. There's even different types of students. You got band kids, you got student athletes, you got kids who are Votech, kids who work, all these different types of students, right? What is their experience like in school? Through all the stakeholders. So like, what is the goal or the wants and needs and opinions of a teacher about school? Now, how would we figure that out? We'd have to talk to the teachers. We'd have to almost like follow the teachers as well in a non-creepy way. It's called fly on the wall. Like, I want to observe, like, if I'm trying to make school better, and that's as a whole, I could pick a part and like, okay, I'm going to try to make the, what's it like for the teacher? Like, could it improve for them? What's it like for the student athlete? Could it improve for them? The principal, all these different parts, right? Even if we attack, I'll put that in quotes, in like one part and like one stakeholder, and we try to improve their experience, it's making school better. Empathize. So whatever topic it is. So like, let's say your workplace. Who are all the people? Let's say like you get a project and I don't know what your project is for work. My job isn't really like the usual, like at the office type thing. So I don't necessarily know, but like you get a project you get a responsibility or you have responsibilities and you're trying to say like, okay, let's improve blank. First, ask yourself, who are stakeholders in blank? What's their experience like? And then when you're evaluating their experience, ask yourself, is there any way that their experience could be improved? Is there any problem or a little bit of a hiccup or an obstacle in their experience? Could it be improved? What is their experience like? What are their wants? What are their goals? What do they need to have accomplished? What problems are they experiencing? Then the final question, and this is the, in the empathize phase. And I hope that I'm going through this and you're thinking about your own life, we'll say. And again, because it's not just in the workforce, but you're thinking about yourself as I'm going through this. Who's involved? What is their experience like? What are their wants, needs, problems, and opinions? And then finally, which stakeholders hold the most weight? So like, let's go back to school. For the having school be two hours later, start two hours later and then end two hours later, who's affected by it and who is affected the most by it? And like they have the most weight. So like if we're trying to improve school, I would 
argue, and I think most people are, would argue that like this student comes first, so they have the most weight. Like we're trying to improve school for them. Then like teachers, because they're involved in the, like the day to day. Parents, no offense parents, but you kind of have a backseat. What I do for my students is, usually it's like it's connected to a problem. I, we give a three, a two, or a one. So we make what's called a stakeholder map, and that's in the Luma handbook. Check out Luma. We have a map, so it's all the different people involved, and you try to like make a web of all of them. And then if it's about a specific topic, like what would they say about that? And then I do a three, a two, and a one. Who holds the most weight? Whose opinion matters the most? Whose problems matter the most? Right? It's like you're almost like ordering of importance okay this has to get solved first their needs whatever i'm potentially proposing as a solution their needs should be met first like what they want or need is a main priority and what you're doing in this situation of empathizing is you're figuring out okay the day in which i propose my solution How will this person be in in impacted or affected? Affected. How will this person, this person, and will it solve their problem? Can it address their problem? Is it going to make another problem for them? If you just propose a solution and you haven't thought about all the people that are involved in blank, because if they are involved in blank, let's say school, and we just start the school day two hours later because our students are tired or we're not thinking about coaches, janitors, bus drivers, everyone else. We're not doing a good job of design thinking. If we are trying to make school better just as a whole, the point of empathizing is just to figure out, okay, who are all the people in there? What is their experience like? What are their wants, needs, problems and opinions that's step one we haven't even gotten to proposing a solution yet now i know with like option a is like there there's already a problem and like kind of a solution option b is like you're just looking at something trying to make it better part two in the design process so part one was empathize who's involved what's their experience like what are their wants and needs and who holds the most weight Part two is define, and there's two parts to defining. One is define the issue, and then two is define your objective. So in regards to issue, we need to clearly understand what the problem is. Now, let's even say for the, the school day starting two hours later, what was the problem? The problem is students are exhausted when they come into school. And like even uh, developmental wise, like they, students just naturally stay up later and want to sleep in more. And like, that's just where they're at. And the school system does not meet with that because I'm up at 5.30, 5 or 5.30, you know? And like school starts at 7.30, like that's pretty early. That doesn't meet where they're at. Now, there are other problems, one being they don't know how to fall asleep because they stare at a screen, right? There's plenty of things going on. 
we can at least say, okay, the problem is students are exhausted when they're getting into school. Then the question is, why is that happening? As I said, one, developmental. Two, they don't know how to fall asleep. Three, maybe we're giving them too much homework, right? All these different things. How do we figure that out? Talk to them, interview them. Now, let's just take general define step and just try to go like across the board. Identify the problem. What is the issue? Who is experiencing it? Why is it happening? What is the issue? What's the problem here? That usually comes with empathizing and just observing. So like if we were to just take a week and I'm going back to school because I use that because most people have gone through school at least so they like we all collectively all you listeners on Radio Land we have an experience that we can share. I want to try to make school better. So I'm going to spend a week empathizing and talking to all the stakeholders. So teachers, students, whatever. What's your experience like? How do you feel about school? What's your, what's your, just walk me through a day. That's interviews. Interviews. I, along with my team, I'm observing. Okay. Uh, I noticed that like in this hallway, there seems to be a little bit extra bullying. Okay. I, I'm just observing. I'm taking notes, right? Empathizing. All the people involved trying to figure out what is going on for them. Part two, I'm then figuring out what are just general problems that I can identify. Sitting in a class, it seems like a lot of students are bored. The teachers are frustrated. Why? What is the issue? Who is experiencing it? And why is it happening? Now, the why is it happening is key. Let's just stay on this school train. Students, whenever I'm like, okay, let's try to make school better. What's a problem at school? They're like, it's boring. Okay. Why is school boring? The teachers make it boring. Like, okay. But then I point out like, okay, well, like you also are dealing with teachers have to teach certain things. Like the way they go about it could be better, but like standardized testing, like there is a potentially much deeper issue, institutional issue with school than just like this, this simple problem, like it's boring, right? So when I, when we are figuring out the problem or a problem is you should always ask yourself, like, is there a deeper problem? And like that usually comes with the, when you're looking at the why, why is it happening? So like whatever is going on in your life, work, personal, define a problem. I'm sleeping in too much. And then ask yourself, why is that happening? What are all the potential reasons for me sleeping in too much? That's defining the the issue. The next thing that you should do, and we're going to get into a lot more personal application next week. Stay tuned. The other part of define is define an objective. What do you want to happen? And you, you should be, to the best of your ability, be very precise and like measurable. 
so you can, when we get to the later stages of the process, you can start to measure whether or not your solution is effective. So like when a kid's like, I want to improve my grades. So they've, they've defined, the problem is my grades are bad. Okay. And then I, I like, and this happens so much. I'm like, all right, what's the problem? My grades are bad. Okay. What's your objective? I'm going to get better grades. That's not in, like, that's kind of an objective. But like, be precise. I want to hand in all my homeworks this week. The objective, is, the objective can be like, I want to improve my grades. And then you should ask yourself, and this goes into the next step, the ideate. But be very, before we get into ideate, which is the third step. And define, define the issue very clearly. My grades are bad. What are all the reasons that your grades are bad? What are all the reasons that you're sleeping in too late? What are all the reasons that your customers are upset? Why is there a, like, let's say you work at a grocery store. Like, why is there a really long line? That's kind of a problem. And then the design, the growth mindset is blank. Anything can improve. How can that improve? What are all the reasons? And in order to understand, like, how it can improve, you should ask yourself, what are all the reasons why that's happening? What are all the reasons the line is long? So define the problem. What's the issue? Who's experiencing it? Why is it happening? Part two, define the objective. This is what I want to happen and try to make it as precise and measurable as possible. So my objective is I want to bring my grades up to at least flat Bs. That's my goal. The next step is ideate, the ideation process. And that's essentially coming up with ideas. And this is the question to ask yourself, whatever your goal is, I want to have just flat Bs at least, straight Bs. Ask yourself, what are all the potential ways that will get you closer to your objective? You're not necessarily trying to solve the problem you're trying to improve the situation, at least. So my objective is I want to get flat Bs. I'm asking myself, what are all the reasons why I don't currently have Bs? I have a C, a D, whatever else. What are all the reasons I'm sleeping in? My objective is I want to wake up earlier. I want to wake up at 5.30. What are all the ways that I could, or all the things I could do that's going to get me closer to meeting my objective? Now, something else that's important to consider is if you were designing for someone else. Gonna get, use that personal example here too. If I'm trying to design the best class that I can, I'm designing for the students. So what do the students want? That's empathize with them, define their issues, that should then reach my objective is like, I want to get students more engaged. So my ideation process, I need to be thinking about who am I designing for? What would they want? If, I, if my goal is to get them to be more engaged, what's going to get them more engaged? What do they want? What are all the ways that I could get students more engaged? Now, when we get to application, the next week's episode, there are literal strategies some of which are in the Handbook of Human-Centered Design Mo Design Methods by Luma Institute. I am not sponsored. I don't even know if I should be saying it, but I have like 
not many people listening to this yet. So it's cool. Who am I designing for? What are all the potential ways to get students more engaged? In order to do that, I have to know what they want. I have to know what their experience is like. I can't think this, and this is where I think a lot of teachers go wrong, at least. I can't think like, well, they should want this. Like if they knew what was good for them, they'd do this. Like, okay, yeah, and you might be right, but you're not designing for them then. You're trying to make the class set up for them. You are making, in whatever you do for work, you are making something for them. What do they want? What they want should then be your objective. Or your objective is like, we got to finish this project. What are all the ways you could finish the project more effectively or more efficiently? And if that is like a project for someone else, you better make sure that like they are your major stakeholder. What do they want? That is if I'm designing for them. What do they want? Why do they want it? Why is it currently not happening? The objective is to improve blank. And then you ask yourself, what are all the ways that's going to get us closer to meeting the objective? And here's another mindset. So I mentioned a mindset before was growth mindset. Um, another one that's very prevalent in the ID8 process is embrace ambiguity. I think early, early on in the stage of coming up with ideas, so once we've defined the issue, once we have an objective, and the application part, we're gonna get like more literal with it, but once we have the objective, then we ask ourselves, what are all the potential ways? Like, I literally mean all. Embrace like anything that's outside of the box, as we'll call it, because I think you know what I mean by like when I say that. Embrace ambiguity. Literally, what are all of the potential ways? Not like the most obvious or like the cookie cutter way, because this is what people do to solve this problem. Is there a better way? Is there a way that's correct for this specific situation? Because you might think like, oh, well, the algorithm and the cookie cutter response for this problem is this. Okay. But is this situation that you're designing for, is it different? So embracing ambiguity, think like all the potential ways, just take an hour and just list them out. This is where kids go wrong. Students go wrong. If they have a solution or they think of three, because I'm like, I'm saying like, you need to think of three. They think of one and then they just have two BS ones. They're like, oh, I'm going to use this one now. Like, no. Abe Lincoln has a great quote and it's give me four hours. Oh, no. Give me six hours to cut down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Right? If you're really trying to solve the problem, the ideation process, like, just take a step back and think about what is the problem? What do I want to solve? What are all the things I could do? Let's just take an hour and just talk about potential solutions. You'll use critical thinking, the desirability, feasibility, viability. That's going to get weeded out. But if you take time and really talk about it and think about it, you could come up with potentially creative solutions. Once you have your solutions laid out, 
then you start to think, then you use critical thinking because you have to, at some point, use critical thinking, right? You can't just like, for the bridge scenario, you can't just get box A or the box from point A to point B and like you have a bridge that has a loop. That's not critical thinking and that's not realistic. But when you spend the hour and think about, okay, this is the problem. These are all the ways that we could solve the problem. Then you start to ask yourself, one, do any of these fit what the stakeholder wants? The stakeholder could be you as well. Is it desirable? Is this what they would want? And if you don't know, then you haven't spent enough time empathizing. (laughs) Then you say like, okay, is it feasible? As in, if I need to get a bunch of people to work together to implement this solution, am I gonna be able to get a bunch of people to work together? Is that gonna be a problem? Is it gonna cost too much money? Like what, how much is it gonna cost? What are all the materials that we're gonna need? So like the school thing, where I say like the biggest buzzkill for students is like, who's gonna pay for it? There's uh, like, we say like, we say make school great again in my class. And I'm like, all right, how can we make school great? We could do Chick-fil-A in the cafeteria. We could do blah, 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 blah. You know, just like, and couches and movie nights and whatever else. Like, okay, yeah, but like, Who's paying for it? We have a budget of almost nothing. So work around that. That's creativity too. You got a budget of maybe $50. Make school fun again. Then you come up with an idea like, okay, who's going to like it? Who's going to show up? Is it desirable? Is it feasible? Can it actually happen on that date? Like, did you check the calendar? This might be obvious stuff, but these are things that like should just, this is the process, right? These are things that you should just mentally be going through. Who's involved? What's their problem? Define that. What's our goal? What are all the ways that we could reach it? Then you take time. What's the best solution? Once you have a general idea, the next step in the process is develop a prototype. Now, a prototype is something that represents the solution. You don't want to go all in and try to make your solution a reality immediately. Why? Because if it's generally a complicated problem, it's going to require a complicated solution. And there's probably things that are going to either you're going to have to take away or add And you don't want to go all in immediately. Think of like, I don't know, a car. There is a lot that goes into one, like designing the car. One of those being, like this is what a prototype would be. You draw the car first before you make the car. You draw it and then you get feedback. Like what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts? And you should ask, That goes to the testing, which is the next step, but you draw it, you get feedback, then you maybe make it out of clay, then you maybe like make a 3D model where like you can sit inside, but you're creating rough sketches, start rough, and then like 
does this work a little bit? Is this good? Okay. Okay. Now like we can solidify this a little bit more and then we're going all in. Now, depending on the situation and I can't speak to your specific situation. So you need to think about your situation. How many times can I say that word? Whatever your solution is, your idea, we'll call it. How can you make a rough draft or a rough sketch or a rough copy that can be tested? You want to get it tested either by, and we'll, I, we'll talk about testing in a moment, but either you test it out or you get feedback on it. But the biggest thing about your prototype is what is the purpose of the prototype? Let me just give you an example. Um, students, they identify that a major problem in school was a lot of students are experiencing poor mental health, which is a great topic, right? And then I think that's like, it's not just students, it's like people in general seems have poor mental health. And then they broke down like, okay, what are all the reasons why they're experiencing poor mental health? Stress would be one social relationship like anxiety right home life whatever so the solution was okay we want to reduce the amount of stress in school and what are all the potential ways they could do that these students were thinking of some really awesome stuff like almost like a mental health week so monday there's going to be we're going to bring dogs in tuesday we're going to do that you know like kind of like a school spirit week but it was like and it was um aligned with finals Right. And like, that's a, that's a, that was an idea. They ended up getting, um, a room that was just kind of like left over. It wasn't really being used. And they designed like the layout of the room. They researched like the walls are going to be blue because blue like calms people down. But the prototype was they drew out like the general landscape and they showed kids like, what do you think of this? And like, just t think a lot. They call it a think aloud test. Okay, when you walk in, like, what would you notice here? Like, what would you want to be in that corner? Like, um, you have these three options for chairs in this corner. Like, what would you, what would you want? Right. And they're just getting feedback. That's way better than, okay, we're going to buy this, 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 and they buy it. And then they realize like, oh, we shouldn't have used a rocking chair. We should have used an egg chair instead. You find that out by developing a prototype. Now. You can't always do that. Like sometimes, like if your job, you can't just like constantly, if you're like proposing a solution for a client, you can't constantly be like, okay, what do you think about this? Like, what about, you know, like because then they're just essentially telling you what they want and they don't always know what they want. With the prototype, you should think about before I go all in, is there any way in which I can make something that then I can test it out. And test it out is the final step. Testing something out should be, you've created a rough draft and you either want to see its functionality or get feedback on it. So like functionality would be, let's say I'm trying to improve the engagement in my class. Um, I'm testing all these different ideas. This week, my prototype is, when class starts, we're just going to play like, would you rather, right? And I'm just going to test it out. Um, so five out of five days, I'm going to do a would you rather before class technically starts to just see if that like livens the kids up, right? I'm going to test it out this week. Every single day, I'm like taking notes 
Okay. Do they seem to be more engaged? Did it wear off as the week went on? Because then I could realize like, all right, I can't just do the same thing every day, right? But I'm trying something. I'm testing it out. I could even give like a poll to them. Like, do you enjoy this? Do you enjoy uh, a game in the beginning of the class? What about like, which games did you enjoy? I could do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, different games. And then at the end of the week, I gave them a poll. This is testing. Which did you enjoy the most? Did you enjoy the variety? Which game did you not like? Right, that's me testing it out. So testing and the prototype and the ideation should all be connected to your objective. So if I'm trying to increase student engagement, that's my objective. That's kind of a, like, how do you measure that, right? If I'm trying to increase the student engagement, what I could do is every single day, I have a notepad with me and I tally how many times I have to, one, ask a student to get back on track or two, I just notice that a student is off track and I'm going to tally. And at the end of the day, I don't even know what a number would be because I feel like it's been so long since I've been in a classroom. Um, let's say like 27. Like, okay. My objective is I'm going to get that number down to 20. What are all the ways that I could try to reduce distractions or increase engagement? I'm going to get it down to 20. I could, again, play the game at the beginning of class. Okay, um, that's my prototype. That's an idea. I'm going to test it out this week. I'm going to be getting feedback and results. What did you like? What did you not like? Which games? And then I'm also going to notice we could be doing all these games and then they're still not engaged during class. So then I know, like, because every single day I'm tallying, if the number's not changing and we're playing these games at the beginning, I know, like, this isn't working. So then I need to go back and reevaluate. That's like the scientific method, right? Like, you develop a hypothesis. You test it out, you gather all this research, you form a conclusion. I know that's not working. So I can at least check off the list in the defining, like what's the problem? It's not how I'm starting class because I tried that and it's not working. So what else can I do? Maybe, all right, this week we're gonna do, you're gonna, after every 20 minutes about, you're gonna get a two minute break you can just get up, stretch the legs, or like, we're going to do jumping jacks. I'm not that kind of teacher, but like, we're going to try that. Does that bring down the number? My solutions should be things that they want to do. So it's not like, we're going to spend two minutes and listen to songs that I've made, you know, like, that's not what they want. So what do they want? Have ideas, develop a prototype, a rough sketch, like, okay, this week I've planned out different little games or breaks. I'm going to test it. I'm going to write down results. I'm going to give polls to the students. And then at the end, I need to be able to decide, and this is key. I need to be able to decide, was it a success or was it a failure or is it somewhere in between? That's why things need to be measurable. Are the tallies that I'm taking, are they going down? And if not, I can keep like the games in the beginning of class, but I need to do something else. If it's not getting it better, if it's not getting better, something needs to still be changed. We call I call it the TBI, to be improved. So it was good, but how could it get better? That's the growth mindset. 
Has it solved the problem? Have I met my objective? I'm down to 20 tallies. And this is time for you to think about like your own application for work. A lot of the application for next week that we're going to talk about is like personal. So like setting goals, designing, having like specifically designed things, like designing your morning routine, designing goals for life, improving relationships. It's the application of the design process or design thinking. And in conclusion, design thinking is really just, it's looking, evaluating something and saying, how, asking yourself, how could it get better? Identifying an area like, okay, this is a problem. This is why the problem's happening. These are potential ways to solve the problem. And I think that this is the best solution. I'm going to test it out. And I'm going to come back and say, yes, this idea did solve the problem. It reduced the problem or it did not. And I need to add more. We're going to get into like must haves, should haves. It'd be cool to haves um, different methods that are in the Luma handbook of human centered design methods. That is next week. But again, the key is we're focusing on process of thinking. This design thinking is for work and for just general life. This isn't inventing the next gadget. It could be, which would be cool. This isn't designing bridges. This isn't like engineering or computer-based stuff. Like this is, it's everything. It's looking at life Everything you're experiencing with a gross, gross, ew, gross, with a growth mindset of how can it get better and believing that it can get better and systematically approaching it. That's also like, that's one of the biggest keys. It's systematically approaching blank to improve it. Because in conclusion, all we have in time is life. Why not? Give yourself some purpose. Like it goes back to the humans and Wally. We might think we want that. But if all we have in time is life, maybe it's about the process. So it's like the time in between. Like we think like, oh, if I just get to blank, like it's going to be great. But perhaps what makes life meaningful and gives purpose is improving it. Every Trying to improve every aspect every single day. Because if all you have is time, what are you doing with the time? If you're not trying to get better, you're just staying still, then like, what are you doing? We should have a growth mindset for every aspect of our life. Peace. Mystery.